morning, everybody. The reading this morning comes from the book of James. John's carrying on teaching from the book of James, chapter 3, and we're starting at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a Lord and a God of order. Chaos often reigns in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would bring that chaos back into line, Lord, by bringing us into line. I pray, Lord, that you would show us your order, that you would show us your love and your peace and how that we can demonstrate that to others. And I pray above all that you would give us wisdom. Wisdom to say yes to the things that we need to step up to and wisdom to say no when it is the right time. Pray, Lord, for wisdom for the kids at the moment, those who are doing exams. But I pray, Lord, not just for the knowledge of doing exams, Lord, but for the wisdom of choosing right friends. The wisdom, Lord, for choosing you. Lord, may we stand on you, the solid rock. No matter what we're going through, Lord, May we look up to you. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us strength. Give us your love. Give us your peace at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Carlin. Morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, as Carlin has read for us, we're continuing on our series in James this morning. James chapter 3 to the end of the chapter. And uh, this part of James particularly is speaking about wisdom. Wisdom. So if, as I said last week, if you have your Bibles with you, please keep them open uh, in James chapter 3 as we go through this this morning. I want to do a bit of a, a backtrack just to catch us up to speed again because I know that 
sometimes when we're going through a book, it's very easy to just overlook what we've been, where we've been and what we've, what we've looked at before. So I just want to briefly just give us a reminder of what we've dealt with so far, and then you'll hopefully see how today fits in with that. Back in James chapter 1, 1 to 18, you remember James was dealing with the subject of trials and how he expects the Christian to respond to trials, and that was with rejoicing. Uh, and then James 1, 19 to 27, he turns to the subject of true faith, contrasting what it is to have true faith and false faith. And he gives us a summary in verse 26 and 27 of what true religion looks like. And if, if you remember even from last week, I mentioned what that, that summary, that three-part summary looked like. First of all, true faith, true Christianity, shows itself in the way that we speak in our speech. Second part, true Christianity shows itself in that we care for, uh, especially, do you remember, especially brothers and sisters who are in need, but then extending out to the rest of the world. And thirdly, uh, that three-part summary of what a true, what true faith looks like, what a true believer looks like, is that we keep ourselves, or keep ourselves unstained from the world. And as I said, that brings us right up. We looked at that last week. Those three parts are what James is going to look at for the rest of the book. So, last week we began chapter 3 by looking at James addressing this issue of, of teachers. Not many of you should become, presume to become teachers because we know that teachers will be judged more strictly. And then today, that brings us to where we are. And you might be wondering again, like I say every week, I've said this every week we've come into, uh, into James, he seems to be jumping around quite a bit. And you're maybe wondering what the connection is between, so here we go from, we go from teaching now to wisdom. What's the connection with that? And it all comes back to the same thing really in James. It all comes back to this. What comes out of a changed heart? That's basically what it all comes back to. So our speech, the way we speak, comes out of a changed heart. The way that we, we deal with, with brothers and sisters in Christ and care for those who are in need comes out of a changed heart. Wisdom comes out of a changed heart. And so basically, at all, every time, these three things that James continually touches on, they all come back to the same source, and that is a changed heart. We have been given God's grace in order to have a changed heart, and then that changed heart produces an outcome. And the three outcomes that James, as I say, continually hones in on are speech, the way we look after brothers and sisters in Christ and those around us, and wisdom. That's it. Keeping, and wisdom for James is keeping ourselves unstained from the world. Those three things are what he is going to, 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 to continually touch on and look at. So how do you know if you are wise? How do you know if you are wise? Well, uh, the Irish rugby player Brian O'Driscoll once quoted in a press conference literally said this in a press conference. Uh, I don't know where this quote came from originally, but it wasn't Brian O'Driscoll. 
but he quoted it in a press conference. I think it was in a Lions, British Lions press conference. This is what he said. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is this. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. There you go. Brian O'Driscoll, Irish rugby legend, actually said that in a press conference. But how do you know if you're wise? How do you know if there is true wisdom there? Real wisdom stored up in your heart from a change heart from a changed heart. That's what James asks in today's passage, and he gives a very good, careful, very nuanced answer to the question. And what you'll notice is this. James is already moving through his three sections. He's, he's, he's dealt with speech, he's dealt with caring for the poor, and now he's moving into this keeping oneself unstained from the world. And what he's going to do, deal with first is wisdom. Wisdom. And he's, going to dis- he's starting this discussion about worldliness. And that's what he gives himself almost exclusively to in chapter 4. By the end of chapter 3, he's in this third topic of worldliness and keeping ourselves unstained from the world. You see, worldliness begins with a lack of wisdom. Worldliness begins with a lack of wisdom. And wisdom, the Bible tells us, begins with what? A fear of the Lord. Worldliness begins with a lack of wisdom, and wisdom, the Bible tells us, begins with a fear of the Lord, a right fear of the Lord. Worldliness always entails a lack of wisdom. And James has three important things he wants to tell us about wisdom in this passage. The first you'll see in verse 13, 14, where he talks about true wisdom being shown in behavior. You see it there. Who is wise and understands? James is using, just as a side note, just as a wee point of interest, James is using a, a, a rhetorical like a rhetoric-type speech. Who is wise among you? He's not expecting an answer, by the way. He's just like literally putting it out there. It's a rhetorical question. He's going to answer that question. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So you'll see the first thing he wants to show us there is that wisdom is seen in someone's behavior. Secondly, he'll show us negatively what false wisdom looks like. And then third thing we'll see in verse 17 and 18, he shows us what true wisdom looks like. So, the first thing James wants to show us about wisdom is this. The true Christian, those who have a true faith, live wisdom. They live wisdom. Their life their course, their choices are characterized by divine wisdom. Look at verse 13 and 14 again there. James says that true wisdom and false wisdom are shown by behavior. 
who is wise and understanding or wise and understanding? Here's the answer. Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds. James says that the true Christian lives wisdom. You see, wisdom is not just a matter, as Brian O'Driscoll helpfully pointed out in his uh, press conference statement, true wisdom is not just knowing stuff or ascending to certain notions or having our theory right. It's not that. True wisdom is not that. True wisdom is life. True wisdom is the Christian's life course, the Christian's life choices. That's what defines true wisdom. And when we hear James start talking about wisdom in verses 13 to 18, you wonder if, he, if he's going back to the start of the chapter and he's thinking about teachers in particular. It'd be natural, of course, to think that he would be talking about teachers following on from what he said last week. And possibly, we don't know for sure, but possibly in this context, James is contrasting some teachers that he knew in the church who were actually, they, they knew the theory, they taught the right stuff, but their lives were not reflecting the wisdom that they taught. Their lives and what they said didn't match up. But whether or not he's, he's specifically talking to teachers in the context that we looked at last week or not, he definitely can be more broadly applied than that to every single follower of Christ. He's talking to our hearts, and he wants to apply these words to our hearts. And he says the Christian lives wisdom. And he begins simply by asking this question, who is wise? What does a wise person look like? And the answer is this. The wise person is the one who lives befitting wisdom. You know a wise person by the way that they live, not just by the notions that they have or the theoretical understanding that they have. Wisdom is about living in the way of the Lord. What does it say in Proverbs? Proverbs is known as the wisdom literature. That's what it's there for. It is there to give us, impart wisdom to us. Uh, James is thought to, I've, I've mentioned this before, James is known as the wisdom literature in the New Testament. But what does it say in Proverbs? Proverbs says this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This is what wisdom is. In all our ways, acknowledging him. That's what wisdom is. Alec Matyar, the commentator, says this. Wisdom is the God-given ability to see how in all our ways we may acknowledge Him. Wisdom is the God-given ability to see how in all our ways we can acknowledge Him. And James is saying that. James tells us that wisdom is a life that is acknowledging God in everything. Everything. 
let me ask us a question, a really honest question. Are we, are we doing that? Let, let, me, let me just, you, you, you want to be wise. I'll come back to this. We all want wisdom, right? We all want wisdom. And I'll come back to that in a moment or two. But this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, let me break this down. In all your ways acknowledge him. We want wisdom. That's how you get it. In all your ways acknowledge him. Right. Let me break it down so that we see it clearly. In all our ways. So in our family life, are we acknowledging the Lord? Or do we not give it a second thought between now, this, this time, and, and next Sunday, or whenever? In all our ways, are we acknowledging the Lord in our families? When we, as parents, when we think about our children, are we acknowledging the Lord in all our ways? Are, are we thinking what's actually best for them according to the Lord? or according to us, and according to what the world says is right for them. What about business? What about in our businesses? Are we acknowledging the Lord in all our ways? What about the week? cash job? Where we don't pay a tax on that one? Are we acknowledging the Lord in all our ways, in our businesses? What about work for those of us who don't own a business? Are we acknowledging the Lord in all our ways? Are we working as on to the Lord? What about our leisure? What about our free time? Are we acknowledging the Lord in all our ways? See, some of us, some of us go around thinking, how did I end up here? Because this does, it doesn't seem to be working. Life doesn't seem to be working out for me, and it doesn't seem to be going well for me, and I've, I've got myself into a bit of a mess. I guarantee you, I can put nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, it is because we have not acknowledged the Lord in all our ways, and we are walking in just foolishness. Foolishness. In one of these areas, I've just, I've just listed four areas, but I guarantee you, if you walk in foolishness in one of these areas, your life will be screwed up. Family, business, work, leisure. You want wisdom? Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. See, following Jesus is not just confined to your quiet time or to being here on a Sunday or to your connect group. Following Jesus is all of life. All of it. All of it. 
In verse 14 then, James shows us negatively the counter to wisdom. The counter to wisdom. He says, look, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false about the truth. He says, literally, you want to see the counter to, to wisdom? This is what it is. The, the counter to having wisdom is uh, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And again, we, we can't help going back to, to the original context that James speaks this into when he, say, when he just comes off a, a, a section on teachers. There may be a, a teacher that James is thinking of there may be who is apparently spiritually, spiritual, godly, religious, Christian, whatever you want to call them, but they are teaching out of a selfish ambition or, or a jealousy or a, or, a, or a name to be elevated. Paul, Paul said that in, in, in the Apostle Paul's time, he talks about that. He said in the early days of the church, there were those who were teaching out of selfish ambition. because they wanted recognition, or they wanted to be elevated, or whatever it was. James says that's the opposite of wisdom. That is the opposite of wisdom. So, false wisdom. So, that was the, that, that's the first thing. I just want to, I want to draw a line under that. True, the, true, the true Christian, the true, those who have true faith, live wisdom. They show it, and we'll, we'll look at what it looks like in a moment when we come to it in the context of the, of the passage. We'll look at what those eight characteristics are of what true wisdom looks like. But what does, it look like? What does, what does James move on to here? He moves on to false wisdom. And false wisdom is sometimes very, very difficult to spot. But James says it shows itself, it will show itself eventually in what it produces. It will show itself eventually in what it produces. In verse 15 and 16, he says here, This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. We might, we might think to ourselves, well, do you know what? If it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic, well, you know, it's going to be easily spotted. It's going to, we're going to see that. We're going to be able to see that. It's going to be clear. We'll see real wisdom. We'll see, we'll see what real wisdom looks like because it's acknowledging the Lord in all we do and in all our ways acknowledging Him. And we'll see the fruit of that in, in a couple of minutes. We'll see that's easy to spot. But we'll also see earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That's easy to see. Well, Really? Not so much. Not so much. As I say, we might think we can spot it easily, but it's not that easily pinned down. Think about it. Earthly wisdom has much to commend itself. Think about this. There are people in our world who you go to to ma for example, who you go to to manage your money, who have no godly interest whatsoever, 
But you know what? They're really, really good at it. There are solicitors uh, and those who practice law who we go to because they're savvy and they know what they're doing and they have knowledge and they're earthly. They're, they're wise in earthly terms. They're really good at what they do. We go to doctors and nurses who, who, who have no interest in God, but, but, but they're good at what they do. And they're filled with common sense knowledge of the world. And those things are a common grace to us, but they are not, let me underline this, they are not the wisdom that James is talking about. Jesus himself said this. There are those in the world who are wise in earthly terms. Jesus himself acknowledged this when he turned to the disciples and he said, the sons of this age are sometimes wiser than the sons of the next. And trust me, that's true. Because there's a lot of people who aren't Christians, who I've met, who have a lot more sense than Christians that have met. Yeah? You with me on that one? Yeah, you're, I'm sure you're, you're probably all there on that one. Yeah. They just are. They have been granted common grace, the common sense of earthly wisdom. And it's not always easy to tell the difference between that earthly wisdom and wisdom from above. Don't confuse the two, though. Don't confuse the two. One is earthly, one is from God. James is saying here, just because a man that has that kind of common sense and earthly wisdom doesn't mean that it's from above. There's a difference. There's a difference. Right, okay. And then you said to me, right, okay, but there's three things there, John. There's, there's earthly, there's unspiritual, and there's demonic. James seems to be going on a wee bit of a trajectory here. Traje trajectory. It's not an easy word to say, all right? Trajectory. And, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Right? So earthly, yeah, we, we see that, okay. We're, sometimes we get confused about that one, John. That's all right, yeah. Unspiritual, yes, maybe we get a wee bit confused about that. But demonic. Surely we're going to spot that. Surely we're going to see if someone is saying something that is demonic. That's going to be right in our face. We're going to see that a mile off. Well, let's just roll back that assumption for a moment, and let's play a little game. Uh, you're a disciple of Jesus, right? You're a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus has just announced... Uh, at a private meeting that he's going to be taken away and crucified. Right? He's told you this, plain as day. Right? Peter, you're standing there, you're one of the disciples, and Peter stands up and says, we're never going to allow that, Lord. We're not going to allow that. I'm, I'm definitely not going to allow that. That's not going to happen. We'd die for you before we would allow that to happen. Now, how many of us in that meeting, in that private meeting, where, where Jesus says, I'm going to be taken by the Romans, I'm going to be crucified, and Peter stands up and says, you know, Lord, I'm never going to let that happen. I, I'm going to die for you before I let that happen. How many of us are going to stand up and go, Peter, that's demonic. 
None of us. Because we would probably all agree, right? What does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. That was from the devil. Now, how many of us would have spotted that? None of us. None of us would have spotted that. It is hard to see when something is unspiritual and demonic. They, are, they can sometimes be so alike. So how do you tell? How do you tell when something is false, false wisdom? Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Why did Peter say, when in that, in, in that exchange with Jesus, why did Peter say, I'm not going to allow that to happen. We'll die. We'll, we'll die with you before we would let that happen. Why did he say that? Selfish ambition. What did Peter still think at that time was going to happen? Jesus was going to be this all-conquering king. And no doubt if Jesus had been all this all-conquering king and defeated the Romans and kicked the Romans out, who's going to be at his right and his left? Who? Peter. Selfish ambition was at the heart of that demonic voice from Peter to Jesus. And James says, false wisdom will result in merely unspiritual and demonic outcomes. Disorder, division, ungodliness. You see, self, jealousy and selfish ambition lead to disorder. They lead to division. The whole Bible says this. There's no true wisdom in someone who is self promoting. A person who has not subdued himself, humbled himself, denied himself, and given himself over to the service of God and his neighbor is not wise. Is just not wise. And eventually it will show itself to be the case. My good friend my good friend Ben Graham often says, give someone enough rope and it always happens. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom will eventually show itself in division and disorder. It always does. It always does. So, all of us are looking for wisdom, right? I hope you are. I hope, you are. I hope you're in here this morning and you're looking for wisdom. If you're not, probably, no. <laughs> I, hope we're, I hope we are. I hope we're coming with a heart this morning that's being like, right, okay, I would love to be wise. I want to be wise. Lord, give me your wisdom, right? And there's a couple of things here we need, we need to say about what, what wisdom is because James beautifully outlines what wisdom actually is. Now, the crazy thing about this is that when we look for wisdom, when you look for wisdom, when I look for wisdom, the last place we usually go is the Bible. Followers of Jesus, 
the last place we usually go and when we're looking for wisdom is the Scriptures or, or, or the prayer. It, it just blows my mind again how, how many of us will seek wisdom from Instagram videos or TikTok. Do you know, there, like, there's a lot of wisdom on there. There is. There's a lot of people standing by rivers and lakes and, and saying wonderfully wise things. Let's just say that's earthly, unspiritual, possibly demonic. The Bible's not. The Bible's not. So, we look for wisdom sometimes in the wrong places. What does James say wisdom is? Well, let's look. He says it is pure. He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure. There is a holiness to wisdom, a purity to wisdom. There's a holiness in this wisdom that characterizes a truly wise person who has real faith. Secondly, it is peace, peace, promoting. It is peaceable. True wisdom, true faith is peaceable. Now, something that needs to be said about this. This is not peace at all costs. When it says peace here, when it says peaceable, it is not peace at all costs. Sometimes there is a cost to peacekeeping. Let's just say, or peace promoting, let's just say you've had a, a, a Christian friend who comes to you and shares some gossip with you, and if you were to share that gossip on and tell that gossip on, then it would bring division in a family or in a church or whatever it may be, and you decide, no, that's not going any further with me, that's going to die with me, I'm, I'm, that's not, it's not going any further. That is peace promoting Christianity. And sometimes that can cost us. Sometimes that can cost us. Real wisdom is peace-promoting. It has an agenda to promote godly, spiritual, true Christian unity amongst believers. But that doesn't mean it compromises on the faith. It doesn't mean just because we are peace-promoting and peace-keeping people it doesn't mean that we compromise on our faith. Far from it. That's not what James is talking about. But he is desirous. He wants Christians to dwell in unity. And so it's peaceable. Wisdom from above is gentle. We have, we have no idea how controversial James is being when he says that. We have no idea how, how controversial James is being when he says peace is gentle. When he, when he uses words like meekness. In, in the culture that he's in, in the, in the culture that he's writing to, meekness or gentleness was seen as weakness. It was seen as weakness. 
And Jesus, he's just simply following on from what Jesus said, but, but it's this countercultural notion that a follower of Jesus is meek and gentle, just like who? Jesus. You see, amongst the Greeks, especially gentleness and meekness were to be weak, meant that someone was weak, but Jesus elevated gentleness and meekness to a primary Christian value. Fourthly, the person is to be reasonable. Reasonable. Sort of self-explanatory. It means that that someone who has real wisdom is not always a monologue, not always the one doing the talking, not always the one not listening, is, is open, 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 open to reasonable requests. Reasonable. It has sympathy and compassion, full of mercy. Sixth, True wisdom displays the fruit of the Spirit's work in their life. Like, look at this, good fruits. So someone who is wise, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit in their life. True wisdom is impartial. Back to the, what James said about showing no partiality. It's impartial. It doesn't have favorites. And yet, it's sincere. What does James mean when he means when he says sincere? Well, this is what it means. It means you're the same in here as you are out there. You're the same in here as you are out there. And you're the same out there as you are in here. Could that be said of us? Could that be said of us? One of, the, one of the reasons, and this is off-piste completely, but one of the reasons uh, Cornerstone was ever even planted was so that that could be the case. So there wasn't this duality of person. You were a different way out there than you were in here, and you were different in here than you were out there. It has to be all the same. We have to be open enough, and that means bringing all our flaws and all our failures and all our nonsense and all our rubbish. That means bringing that in here as well. You know, sometimes I think we're all right with it out there. We're all right with the nonsense and the brokenness of life, and all, but we don't bring that in here on a Sunday. No. Sincerity, the wisdom that James is talking about here, means that it's all the same. We bring the same person in. We take the same person out. Because funny enough, God sees this, the one person. And he's not like, oh, there's Sunday. So there's Sunday now, so we're going to flip the switch and we'll be like, oh, right, that's them now. Back out again. Sincerity, wisdom, true wisdom is that you're the same person in and out. So those are the eight things that James gives us as signs of wisdom. Wisdom is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, full of good fruits, the fruits of the Spirit, impartial and sincere.
right? As I say, as I hope, all of us are looking for wisdom. All of us are looking for wisdom. Some of us are looking in the wrong places. And what I simply want to do this morning is say this. Who is James describing when he, say, when he gives us those eight characteristics of what true wisdom looks like? Look at them. Who is he describing? His older brother. That's all he's doing. It's literally all he's doing. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Who's he talking about? Jesus. And so when we are looking for wisdom, when we want to be wise in a godly sense, who do we look to? We look to Jesus. It's simple. We study the life of Jesus. We ask Jesus for his wisdom in our lives. It's really, really simple. When we want to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, who do we ask to help us do that? We ask Jesus to do that. He's simply describing his older brother. And of course, we know where wisdom took his older brother. The wisdom of God was to take Jesus to the cross. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, it says, it was foolishness to the world. The cross was foolishness, is foolishness to the world. But by those who are being saved, it is the power of God, the wisdom of God. So we want wisdom. We look to Jesus. We see where that wisdom took Jesus. That, that, that wisdom took Jesus ultimately to sacrifice his life. If you want wisdom, follow Jesus. And that might mean, no, not might mean. It not might mean. It does mean giving up your life. It means giving up your life. What did Jesus say? Take up your cross and follow me. That's the wisdom of God. So that means, wisdom means we lay it all down, we give it all up, and we say, Jesus, you have it, and you do with what you will. That is acknowledging the Lord in all our ways. It took Jesus to the cross. Who knows where it might take us? But that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Let me pray first. Marcus is going to come and lead us in communion after that. Father, we, we do long to be wise, not, not in the world's sense, not in the world's eyes, but, but wise when it comes to following you. Help us. We need your help. To, to acknowledge you in all our ways.
We need your help to acknowledge you in our families. We need your help to acknowledge you in our businesses. We need your help to acknowledge you in our workplaces and in our spare leisure time. We need your help, Lord. Help us to be wise. The days are short. We need you. Please come, Holy Spirit, amongst us. Do your work only you can do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is always a...